Okay, it's lovely to be here, and uh, I really enjoyed being here already and fe feeling blessed. And when we sing, actually, it doesn't matter too much if you are in tune or out of tune. <laughs> what really matters is what we are saying to the Lord, because He listened to us, and that is really very important. So when we sing, I can't sing myself at all, but uh, I once threatened the choir to join, and they were frightened. <laughs> but... Um, uh, really, it is uh, when we sing, God listens to us. God of heaven is listening to us. So we have to be very careful the words we are saying. Today we're going to read many verses. They will all appear on the screen. And after I discuss the first verse, I'll give you the title of our talk. Let me give you the background of this verse. When Jesus answered and said, I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. What happened is a group of Jewish people called Sadducees, and the Sadducees don't believe in eternal life, and they don't believe in resurrection. So they came with a problem to the Lord Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. What is the problem? Uh, according to the law, if a man is married to a woman and he dies without having descendants, the brother of this man will marry the same woman to keep the inheritance in the tribe. So they gave a theoretical situation to the Lord. They said to him, there was this man who married this woman, and he died without having children, so his brother took her, and there were seven. So they said to him, in eternity, which one this lady will be his wife? So the Lord said to them, in heaven it's with different arrangements altogether. There is no marriage or, or giving into marriage. It we will be like the angels of God. And then the Lord said this verse, which will start our talk. The Lord said, I am the God of Abraham. Yeah, Abraham was a great man. He was a great man of faith, a great man who obeyed God. He left his land and he went and followed God. And he was a godly man. So when God says, I'm a God of Abraham, that's understandable. Then he said, I'm the God of Isaac. And Isaac was a very nice man, very quiet life, very godly man, very blessed, and everything was going well for him. But now, I'm God of Jacob. And that's our topic today, God of Jacob. Jacob wasn't straightforward at all. He was cheating. He lied to his father. He lied to his uncle. He is cheating all the way. He has his own plans. He changed things the way he thought it is right. So our topic today is the God of Jacob. And I like God of Jacob, actually, because I can relate to that. And I think everyone here can relate to the God of Jacob, the one who is cheating, the one who is not straightforward, the one who is not really walking with the Lord all the time. But let us see how God dealt with him. And God is, can I say, proud or happy to say, I'm a God of Jacob. So he's a God of every one of us, if we are Jacobs. I will not go into the details of, of the life of Jacob, but I'd like to take you to the position when Jacob left his family because he was afraid of his brother, because he cheated on him and took the blessings of the firstborn. And that was something very important in the Old Testament because they were the tribes, and the head of the tribe will give the blessing to the eldest son. And that is a very important structure. But actually, he cheated on his brother, and he has to leave the house. 
So Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. When he reached a certain place, we don't know where that place is, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Can you imagine that night in the life of Jacob? He went not knowing where he's going. He doesn't have a sat-nav. He doesn't have any direction. He has no security. The travel is very tough because there are thieves that can come and attack him. It was really a tough night. And look at his bed. He just slept on the ground and he took a stone to be his pillow. Would you like to have a night like that? But we talk about the God of Jacob. He can deal with Jacob in these circumstances. He had a dream which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. I like this really uh, ladder or, or Jacob's ladder because it connects two points. It connects the earth to heaven. It's not just a very high ladder, but it is a ladder that connects the earth where Jacob is and heaven when God is. And let us see what happens. And he saw in this ladder during this dream that the angels of God are ascending and descending on, on this ladder. And I like that as well because there is communication between us and God. And the message is going up to God and he's willing to send his message to us again. Remember, he's talking to Jacob, the cheater, the person who is really tough to deal with. There above stood the Lord and he said, the Lord introducing himself to this man on our accounts, he's not really a perfect man at all. He's not worthy of the Lord talking to him at all. But the Lord is introducing him and say, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. So the Lord introduced himself to Jacob to start the chat. I will give you, let, let us really remember these things that God promised Jacob at that point. Okay, because we'll have a test, right? Be ready. The Lord said to him, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Can you imagine that? He's a single man. He's not married. He doesn't have descendants. And God is promising him. He will give him this land that he's lying on to him and to his descendants. That's a big, big promise. And there are no criteria to support that promise except the promise of God, the God himself. Then the Lord said, number two, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you'll spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. So he's talking not about a blessing him only, but blessing his descendants, and they will spread in all directions. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Wow, that's too much really, Lord. This is a single man. He's disobeying God. He's just cheated on his father and his brother. And God is saying to him, through your descendants, all the earth, all the people in the, on earth will be blessed. And he's talking about Jesus coming as a descendant of Jacob. Because remember, the genealogy of the Lord is very important. Jesus must come from the, the, the woman, because he said to, to, to Eve and to, to, uh, in chapter 3 in Genesis, that the, her descendants will crush the head of the serpent. And then from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. And he will not come from any one of them. He will come from Judah. And he will come from the family of David. That's very important for Jesus to come in. Do you know when you read the Gospels, 
and in Matthew and in Mark, when you have this list of names, sometimes just bypass them really because we can't even pronounce them. But they are very important as a document of who Jesus is. Back again to this blessing. All people on earth will be blessed uh, with your offspring. Now, this is the promise. Where is the guarantee? Let us see the guarantee in verse 15. I am with you and will watch over you. The Lord is saying to him, I will be with you. I know who you are. You are a cheater. You are a, a person who is not straightforward. But I will be with you. I watch over you. I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until you have done all what I have promised. So we have the promise and we have the guarantee. If you have this position, what, what would be your response? If God is promising you eternal life and he's saying, I'm not looking at you because you are a good or bad person because I know you are really broken my laws, but I'm going to give you all this blessing, I'll watch over you, I'll bring you back, I will not leave you. Let us see what Jacob did. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely this is the place, the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And sometimes we come to the church or we meet somebody who is communicating the gospel and the Lord is there and we're not aware of it. Wow, what a, what a, a missed opportunity. The Lord himself is here, but I haven't met him. Wow, that's a missed meeting, a missed opportunity. He was afraid. Of course, experience like this will make him afraid. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early next morning, Jacob took the stone and he placed it under his head, and the stone that he placed it under his head and put it up as a pillar and poured oil and called it Bethel and changed that meaning the house of God. But let us see his response. Then Jacob said, vow to the Lord, saying, if God will be with me. Wow, is there if or buts in the whole equation here? It's all dependent on the grace of God. God gave him the promise, God gave him the guarantee, and Jacob started to make it in a law. Don't we sometimes try to do that in our lives? He said, if God will be with me and will watch over me in this journey I'm taking and will bring me food to eat and clothes to wear. Look what his ambitious and God's ambition is. God is saying, I'll bless you, your descendants, you'll be the dust of the earth, you'll go up north and south, east and west, through your descendants, all the nations will be blessed. That's, a, that's the promise. But the prayers of Jacob is, give me something to eat, some, some clothes to wear, and I'll be great. That's all what I want, Lord. I don't want any more. Thank you very much for all these great promises. Don't we sometimes do the same? God is wanting to use us, to bless us, to change our life, to move with us forward. And we sometimes say, if you give me the necessities of life and just a quiet, happy life, I'll be okay, be great. This is not great at all. Then he said, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Wow. Did it need if and then? It didn't really need all of that. Because all by the grace of God, nothing to do, Jacob, just receive it, enjoy it, trust it, go, go on your journey. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that God gives me, I'll give tenth of what I have earned. The topic really is the grace of God and the law. 
the God of Jacob explains to us that God wants to operate with us and to communicate with us through his grace. And we sometimes put it in the law. I'll do this and God will give me this and we'll be equal. That will never work with God, brothers and sisters. We only live by God's grace. Whatever situation we found ourselves in, whatever mistakes and mess in our life in, as this word was repeated uh, uh, recently when, before the singing, that doesn't matter because we depend on God's grace. And I'll just prove that to you very quickly in the coming few minutes. In John first, uh, chapter of 1, verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There is nothing wrong with the law of God, actually. The law of God is perfect. The problem is me. I can't keep that law. I can't keep the standards. And the problem is the pass mark in the law of God is 100%. And nobody will achieve the 100%. So if I achieve 90%, it's a failure. So it's an impossible task, really, to live by the law. But we sometimes like to live by the law. Why we are invited to live by grace of God. Imagine if this projector is hanging with a, a, a chain of 10 rings. And you break number two or number five or number six, in all situations it will collapse, it will fall. So the Ten Commandments were the standards of God. They are perfect. There is nothing wrong with them. If we follow them, it'd be great, but we can't. So we have to live by God's grace, and that's the only way to live. If you haven't tasted this grace, this is a chance to taste it today. If you have tasted this grace some time ago, please go back and live by grace. Don't live by the law. But grace doesn't mean I can do anything I like. Because the grace changes me to do the things that God likes. Um, the law means that we must do something to God, but grace means that God's fulfilled his work in us through his will. In James it says these words, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So that is the toughness of the law. But there is nothing wrong with the law, as I said. The problem is me. I can't keep it. Let us see what the law of God is very quickly in the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect. Yes, it is perfect. There's no doubt about that. The law of the Lord revives the soul. Yes, if I can follow it, it will revive my soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Yeah, if I follow the God's uh, standards, I'll be wise. I'll, I'll take right decisions. I'll move forward in my life. The law of the Lord is right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. That's all true, but I can't keep it. So let me just quickly take you through verses from the Bible, mainly from the book of Galatians. And it shows us the limitations of the law in operating in my life to confirm that I need to live by grace. Know, th know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. First step is I cannot be justified in the eyes of God by observing the law. The law is perfect, as I said. But I only, I'm only justified before God, meaning I am declared right before God by the grace of God. The, la the law cannot give righteousness. And in Galatians it said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The Apostle Paul is saying, 
if the law really can bring me to God and I can fulfill the law, then Jesus died for no reason. Because Jesus died in order to give me the grace of God. The law cannot give gift of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we, need, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ. We should be filled by the Holy Spirit to operate in our Christian life. And the Apostle Paul is talking to the Galatians, and he said to them, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by observing the law or by believing um, what you heard? That's the gospel. So in order to operate by the Holy Spirit, you need the grace of God, not the law. The law cannot give believers inheritance. And by the way, heaven is not a reward. Heaven is inheritance. And in order to inherit, you need to be born in a family. That's all what you need to do, to belong to this family so you inherit. It is not a reward. Imagine after you work the whole month, and then they give you the check, your payment, and say, this is the grace of the national health or whatever is giving you this check. I will refuse to take that check. No, I worked hard the whole month. This is my right. If you don't give it to me, I take you to the court. With God is different because heaven is an inheritance. It is not a reward, not because you are a good boy or a good girl, you are going to heaven. No, you are not. You are going to heaven if you are born in God's family. And that's the only way to get in there. And the apostles say to the Galatians, for if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. The law cannot give life to the dead sinners. And in Galatians, again, it says, for, for if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But righteousness comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. The law cannot impart the grace of God. And again, the Apostle Paul said, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from the grace. So it is only by the grace of God we can live. And this is the start of our Christian walk and the continuation of the Christian walk. And there in heaven, it's all the promise of God. Not if God will be with me, because he promised to be with us. Number seven, the law cannot make a person free. It is not freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, stand firm then and do not let your, uh, yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. So the, the law can enslave us and we are invited to enjoy the freedom in Christ Jesus. So if the law is not able to do all of these things, we'll not do an exam on the seven things that I mentioned. But please go back if it is recorded and listen to it and, and, and learn them because when I did, it helped me. Um, so why the law is given? The law is given to put the standards of God to show me my problem. Then I can be diagnosed and I need the, the grace of God to help me. The law does not make us sinners. It reveals us to be already sinners. Do you know, it is the, like the traffic lights. The red light when it uh, asks me to stop, it has no power to stop my car, actually. I can go through it. I can break the law, but I have to pay the penalty. So the law is there to show that I am not able to keep God's standards. 
The law is like a mirror that helps us to see our dirty faces. I like this quotation from Warren Wearsby. He's, he's a lovely man. He's in heaven now. But we do not wash our faces in the mirror. So the law is the mirror which it shows me my mistakes and my life that needs to be in order. But I don't wash my, my face in the mirror. I need the water of the word of God to cleanse me. And that's what we need to do in our life every day. The law is given to prepare us for Christ, and that's very clear in Galatians again. Until faith should be revealed. So the law was put, uh, was put in charge to lead us to Christ. So let us remember the word grace in my finishing uh, uh, talk today. We, I remember grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a very good definition, and I'd be delighted if we all of us remember this. Just use these letters of grace, and each letter means a word. God's riches at Christ's expense. By the way, the grace of God is free, but it's free at the point of delivery, at the point when you receive it. But it is so expensive because it costed Christ to die on the cross. So the grace of God is so expensive that nobody can afford it, so it is given free. Let me give you a little example. You know the air we breathe, the oxygen, it's essential for life as we all know. If I lock my mouth and nose for five minutes, I'll be gone. We breathe 12 cycles in every minute when we are sitting, but if we are running, it goes to 2022. But let us say we are just sitting. So there is 500 mils goes in and out. It's called tidal volume. So that, that's 500 mils, that's half a liter. Multiply that by 12, that's six liters in one minute. Multiply that by the hour to come to the number. Multiply that by 24 to come to the day. Multiply that by the 365 days. Multiply that by your age. You will come to an enormous number. Even Chris cannot pronounce it. <laughs> the man who loves mathematics. So, because it is so expensive, even the richest man or woman in, on earth cannot pay, if it is cost a penny, the richest man or woman cannot pay for this amount of air that we are breathing. But because it is essential to life, God gives us free. Not because it's cheap, but because it is free, because we can't pay for it. That's the grace of God. In Christ Jesus, we have the grace and truth, and that's another topic, really. We'll not enter into that just now, because grace has to be dependent on the truth. Jesus has to pay the penalty of my sin in order to show his grace. And it is the fullness of uh, grace that we live by. We saved by grace, and that's very important. And if you are not experienced that, that's the, the day to do it. We live by grace and we depend on the grace in the future. If God deals with us only with truth, none of us will survive, but God deals with us on the basis of grace and truth. Uh, this is the quick, quick review of the life of Jacob as an example of God's work in us to bring his grace in our life. There is no ifs and buts. God gave great promise to Jacob He's not worthy of receiving the promise. God gave the guarantee with the promise, 
and Jacob wanted to put it in a sort of contract. I'll do this, and you'll do this, and we'll go along again, and I'll give you tenths of what I have received. What, what, uh, uh, um, what can I say? What a wrong response to the grace of God which is poured in Christ Jesus. My prayer that this grace will be available, and it's available for all of us. Our job is to receive it. Back to the example of the air, it's given to me and it's free, but I have the choice to block my nose and mouth and kill myself. That's a choice. So if you don't receive the grace of God, we are committing spiritual suicide. That's why we need to go back to God and enjoy his grace. Let us pray together. We thank you, Lord, for your grace that is shown in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you came to us and you gave us your life. We pray, Lord, that you will help all of us to enjoy your forgiveness and to walk with you by depending on your grace, not depending on ourselves. And we trust, Lord, that by your grace, you will help all of us to live a life glorifying your name. Help us, Lord, as we enter into a new <coughs> week to serve you and to live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.